0: Coming up on podcast 1593, Peugeot E308 and estate version, 250 miles of range. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the show, Honda plans to introduce 10 or more electric motorcycles, a new attack can unlock your Teslas, and Thomas Ulbricht takes over a new department at VW all about EVs. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, it's EV News Daily. We are your trusted source of EV information for the midweek, Wednesday 14th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll start with news of Germany's plug-in sales getting back into the positive, into growth and good news from Europe's biggest car market, where car sales rebounded after several months in decline. Plug-in electric cars returning to growth after five months of being a bit stagnant. Last month, 56,725 new passenger plug-in Electric cars registered in Germany, up 6% year-on-year. All electrics and plug-in hybrids up as well. So far this year, more than 415,000 plug-in passenger cars in Germany have been registered. And the split is about 228,000 pure BEVs and 187,000 plug-in hybrids. So in Germany, plug-in hybrids, like in many markets around Europe, uh, plug-in hybrids did their job. And many hey, still working for many people, by the way. Uh, they're on the way down, and it's pure battery electric cars uh, doing the do there. Now, the top all electric models are what we really want to talk about, isn't it? So, what are the cars that are selling the most in Germany? Not Europe's, you know, biggest. Electric car market by percentage by any means, but certainly on its way. Well, it's the Fiat 500 Electric, which is number one in Germany, uh, followed by Tesla's Model Y, Model 3, Volkswagen ID 4, ID 5, Kona Electric, Opel, Corsa E, VW's ID 3, then the BMW i3, which is at the end of its life. It's gone and it's still selling. Uh, the Skoda ENIAC IV, the E Up little baby EV that's been around for so long they just can't uh, stop that one. Uh, Followed by the Audi e-tron, the Arnic 5, the Zoe and the Mini Cooper. There you go, that's Germany. Germany in a nutshell for you. That's great news that EV's getting back into growth there. Now, headline story, and we'll go just from Germany to France, and Peugeot revealing the E308. 250 miles of range, 154 brake horsepower. And the key thing with if I'm talking about Peugeot, a bit like Citroen, is the price. Because if they can bring these cars in, a 308, an all-electric 308, at around £35,000, I would say, out the door, they're onto a winner. Now, you start to spec the cars up and add some options, I get it, get it, get it. But if you can get a Peugeot E308 for that kind of money, you're in that kind of ballpark, in this kind of family car, I think that would be a winner. This uses their new next-generation battery cells, 51-kilowatt-hour battery, so not the biggest, but decently efficient 400-volt system and 250 miles of range on the WLTP test cycle. There is also an estate version of this, which looks super practical, and I think that would be... If my wife didn't insist on driving a crossover slash SUV um, because she likes the height, she likes the driving position, it's easy to get a little kid in and out of, but um, if it were up to me... I'd absolutely drive an estate car again. My last one was a Skoda Octavia, and it's so damn practical. I love them. Um, Peugeot also adding a new B mode uh, so that there's better regen. Uh, I don't think it takes you right down to full stop. I don't think it's one pedal driving, but certainly much more aggressive regen and 100 kilowatt charging. So look, none of these specs, right? None of these specs are knock your socks off amazing, but that's not the point of a Peugeot. Or a Citroen. The point of these cars. These cars that sell on on value. I was going to say price, but they sell on value. And, you know, nearly everyone, 99% of people buying these cars because they need a car to get around. They need a family car. Uh, they never look as good as the day they came out of the, the showroom. Like, they are working vehicles, right? They are. they got kids stuff in the boot. they got mushed up food in the seats. Um, and these cars... At the right price, I think would be really, really popular. Uh, The E three hundred eight estate version. Peugeot say in their press release, I'm I'm looking at here the first electric wagon. Not sure I like that word wagon. That's kind of an American word, isn't it? But uh, we would say uh, we would say estate car. But either way, um, the first wagon from a European manufacturer. And uh, are they right on that? I think they are because the MG five estate car from. You know, Chinese, it's SAIC, MG badge, but I think they that's probably, well, you know, it's right on that. And, and, and long may uh, that be the, the start, hopefully, of many estate cars coming with electric power. Now, Honda plans to introduce 10 or more electric motorcycles globally in the next three years. They claimed yesterday, they claimed that they will aim to ramp up sales of two-wheeled electric vehicles to achieve carbon carbon neutrality. The motorcycle giant uh, that dominates the global market, Honda, has been facing challenges as they move to electric. That was my chair. If you heard anything, by the way, that was my chair. Nothing else. Um, Motorcycles are wildly popular in many of those developing countries where air quality does need looking at and where many people are riding two-wheelers, where consumers are so price sensitive, it's unbelievable. And of course, with electric, if you are paying a decent rate for your electric means that Yes, the vehicle may be more expensive to buy, but the running costs are vastly reduced. And of course, many people who are living in areas where perhaps even imported fuel is not always having a consistent supply and the pricing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, with a solar panel, you can make your own electricity. And therefore, so many developing countries, when they talk about EVs, like their first thought is two wheels, not I think for many people of this podcast listening, I uh, think cars and trucks and things like that. Honda saying in a statement they will sell 1 million electric motorcycles every year in the next five years. The Honda car maker also plans to sell 3.5 million electric motorcycles every year by the end of the decade. Now, let's talk about Zero motorcycles next in the news, unveiling its latest electric motorcycle, the Zero DSRX. Now, the Zero DSRX, according to electric.co, is their new electric adventure bike, building on the same platform as the SRF and the SRS, with major updates. Uh, The announcement comes as part of the release of their model year lineups as electric, taking the same platform as its sister vehicles and reinforcing it, increasing the battery capacity and some other tweaks as well. Now, I know that I've seen some feedback online to do with, you know, do you go belt drive or chain drive uh, to avoid going to a chain drive. They're sticking with belt drive, uh, but they've also... Widened the belt. They've increased the strength of it. Uh, They've also added, they call it mud port technology uh, holes in the drive to clear debris from the belt pulley. It's all about riding off-road and making sure that the vehicle is fit for purpose. 17.3 kilowatt-hour battery, uh, city range of 180 miles, highway range 85 miles, charging on a 6.6 kilowatt onboard AC, and you can upgrade it to a higher power charger as well. Some really interesting things Zero Motorcycles are doing and just more interesting things on two wheels generally. But I think I should probably be covering more on this podcast. And, you know, that includes e-bikes as well. But I'd love an electric motorbike. I used to ride uh, motorbikes when I was growing up. And uh, unfortunately, that's the one veto my wife has. And if that's the only veto she puts on my life, then I think I married the right woman. Uh, But she says, "When when I've floated the idea before of you know I could get I could get a motorbike again I could you know I know we're a family and I know with you know I've got different responsibilities but I'm like hey I'll ride it in the summer in good weather I'm sensible you know I'm quite a slow driver anyway and I'm not going to hoon it around and she's like you know what I like to sleep well at night you know can my husband please not ride a motorbike and I'm like, oh well okay if that's the if that's the one veto she gives me then okay I'm not going to buy one but I'd love 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 an electric motorbike now this is really interesting. A Tesla executive has been laying out the next five years of Tesla at a conference, and Martin Viecker, the executive who took investors through the company's next five years, um, has explained which trends and metrics matter the most. And he said the industry will ultimately grow as fast as batteries can grow, and that's been well. That's been the pretty much the call for the last five years. And more. As EVs became more popular, batteries were the limiting factor. And batteries have been impacting areas, everything from building cells, building battery packs, battery design, mining, refining, etc., etc. et cetera. And uh, Martin Viecker, uh, who is head of investor relations at Tesla, saying that during 120 years of the automotive industry, there's been two major revolutions. One was the Ford Model T. The next was how Toyota revolutionized production in the nineteen seventies. And going EV is the third major revolution. The EV architecture is so different from the internal combustion engine. It's the third great revolution in the automotive industry, he says, and it's amazing to be around at this time. Uh, I guess, you know, for Tesla, driving that industry forward. A new attack, though, is perhaps not so good news in terms of the vehicles. A new challenge system that prevents its cars from being under attack um, has been shown off by researchers it's it's quite a sophisticated attack sort of relay attack by the way and it, it would allow someone access to your tesla and steal it in a few seconds so the way it works is you have to work as a pair you need two people the th- one of the thieves needs to be near your tesla the other thief needs to be Next to you, walking behind you, walking a couple of paces behind you, walking beside you, it relies on you having your NFC key card or your mobile phone that you use for your Tesla virtual key. And actually, it's something that this is just the way the cars are designed. It's not really a, fl- it's not really something they can fix quite easily. That this is just the way that Teslas work. So maybe you do have your key card in your pocket. Maybe you use your phone as a key. So one of the attackers positions themselves close. To the NFC card, if you put it in your pocket or your, you know, your back pocket, your phone is in your, you know, it's safe; it's not going to get stolen. Your phone's in your in your, in your pocket, um, but that person, that thief, walks close to you with a transmitter that transmits the signal back to their accomplice who is standing next to your Tesla and transmitting that signal to the car. Drivers who use the NFC card to unlock their Tesla had to place the NFC card on the console between the front seats in order to shift the car into gear and drive until recently. But a new software update last year eliminated that additional step of having to put the NFC card in. So you can just put your foot on the brake pedal and drive away. Using this attack, once the thieves get access to your car by beaming that signal from one of their thieves to another over maybe... You know, 10 20 30 feet you can use bluetooth wi-fi even over the internet as well then they get in the car and no longer needing to put that nfc card between the two passenger seats they can drive away no a couple of things to remember about this when you stop the car and turn it off you can't then restart it because you haven't got the key you there are ways of cloning the key but it's more difficult and also if you have pin to drive of course that makes it impossible so i would say that until you fully understand this issue, if you're a Tesla owner, have a look into this, work out whether you're vulnerable to this, and turn on pin to drive, because that way they could use this technique to get in your car and steal your valuables, but they can't drive the car away. Now, it's really hard to do any changes without physical hardware changes to the car. Like the NFC reader that Tesla use and the software that Tesla use, they could certainly do an over-the-air update, uh, but a really interesting development in terms of, you know, it's... Cars are getting easier and easier to get into and drive with, you know, virtual keys and with um, keyless entry. Nine times out of ten, with a top-of-the-range car, now you walk up to it, you get in it, you put your foot on the brake, and you drive away, and you know the key never goes in the ignition. So um, have a look at that if you think you might be affected. And the cost of making a Tesla car is the next piece of news I'll bring you today: down thirty-six to thirty-six thousand dollars. And in 2017, the cost of making a car for Tesla was $84,000. We found out at a Goldman Sachs Tech conference, the cost savings, um, not necessarily all coming from cheaper battery prices, from better vehicle design, more manufacturing efficiencies, simplicities, and new factory design. And as new factories ramp up, Tesla should be able to make cars for less than $36,000. Dollars, which, of course, all boosts Tesla's profitability. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon, we will talk about some new charging stations for my listeners in Spain to be looking out for and why there's a new division at VW looking after electric cars. Stick around. Those stories are on the way. Now, remember when I reported a while ago on this podcast about a company that had put a kind of hybrid battery in a Tesla? and gone a bazillion miles, they are called Our Next Energy, O-N-E, or ONE. And they've been talking about their new anode-free cells, which um, are a hybrid architecture, and it's the only difference they have compared to normal NMC cells. They're anode-free with a much higher energy density. Let's get into that a little bit. Uh, about twice as much energy density as a regular nickel Manganese cobalt battery, which is about 580 watt hours per liter. These new batteries that they have come up with are over a thousand watt hours per liter. It's anode free, so the cells work in lithium metal. According to Auto Evolution website, the lithium ions cross the separator and turn into a lithium layer that plays the role of the anode when the battery is charged. The lithium goes back to the cathode, but They weren't confirming all of the details of what's in their top secret battery. What it does mean, though, is that vehicles can either go further or fewer cells. It's good if you don't need to produce a mega long-range EV. The company confirming that the new cells are prismatic in format and will be heading towards BMWs by the end of the year. Really interesting advances in battery technology all over the world, actually. Now, in Spain, a Spanish EV manufacturer called Circontrol launching their new 400-kilowatt DC fast chargers. Holy bazookas. These chargers around the world are getting quicker and quicker, aren't they? They're putting several of them into new urban charging hubs in Madrid. Uh, 350 kilowatt has been really the fastest we've talked about for a long time, but these new 400 kilowatt units are going in, obviously with not too many cars on the market that can take full advantage of them right now. 350 kilowatt high-powered chargers, even then, are faster than the fastest EVs out there, unless you're talking about commercial vehicles, but still, cars like the Porsche Taycan at 270 Plus kilowatts, really the fastest that they can do at the minute. But hey, we have new cars, new technology coming, so they are future-proofed. Now let's move on. And Mexico and the US are taking advantage of their big investment in semiconductor production to push through integration of supply chains to fix some of the electric vehicle supply chain issues that we've had recently, both seeking to eat into Asia's advantage in semiconductors and batteries. The dialogue between Mexico and uh, the US uh, resumed last year after that dialogue was paused by the The Trump administration or the Biden administration uh, reopening talks and working on how those two countries can work together. Now, at VW, there's a new division and a new division, a new manager to look after the new mobility bit of VW, the core VW passenger cars brand. Uh, rather than the whole group, is reorganizing itself. And they've got a new future mobility department, which combines the electric staff and the digital staff, and a new boss called Thomas Ulbrich, um, who has been mentioned many times on this podcast before. He is going to be looking after both the ID model lineup and the Trinity project now that's going to be their next flagship vehicle platform really I think but um it's Trinity refers to a vehicle I think and he is the new board member for what is called the new mobility Uh, Division, and that means trying to sort out some of the software. Now, Cariad is their software division, so new mobility division and the Cariad division will have to work very closely together, and even some of those software delays have caused some models to be delayed. Things like the Porsche Macan, I think, has been postponed because the software isn't quite up to scratch yet. Uh, He will also uh, relinquish responsibility for any development of combustion engines and hybrid models and concentrate purely on electric vehicles within the VW brand, which I think is a a good thing. It's just good to have a single-minded focus on moving forward with electric power. Now, uh, the maker of... Other people's vehicles, contract manufacturer Magna and supplier of many things to the automotive industry are expanding into micro mobility, shared mobility, things like that. Investing in India's largest shared mobility provider uh, called Yulu. They're making a battery swapping service as well. Low speed electric two wheelers that can have battery swaps and Magna will be the battery swapping partner for them. So uh, they're the company that make things like the Jaguar I-Pace and now they're getting into battery-swapping powered, electric-powered two-wheelers in places like Bangalore, Delhi, Mumbai. You know, it's such an important market to not only talk about the kind of cars, as I mentioned before, the electric motorcycles and all kinds of two-wheeled e-mobility. Really important. Now, uh, we'll finish off this week with some news about British Vault. Uh, that is a startup which wants to make a battery cell manufacturing facility here in the UK, spending about uh, 4 and a half billion dollars on that setup three years ago. Uh, British Vault has been backed by the government, the UK government, up until recently, but now it looks like they're pressing pause on that project. And not getting as much progress made as quickly. I think it'll probably happen. I hope it will definitely happen anyway. And they wanted to make enough battery cells for 300,000 EVs every single year. Uh, Aston Martin, Lotus, having partnerships with them as well. But the Guardian newspaper uh, says that they've got some internal documents which have been leaked, suggesting that the system is on li- uh, the, the, the project on life support and they're cutting spending which isn't great, obviously. So we hope that they get whatever issues they've got resolved and move forward. And, and um, you know, I don't think that uh, that we are ever going to be, you know, the world's dominator in cell production. I, you know, I love my country and all that, but I'm not sure exactly that's um, going to be our strong point. Uh, but we will wait and see. Good luck to British vault and cell manufacturing here. And that, my friends, is your podcast today. Question of the week, taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. Uh, thank you very much to our Podcast partners, premium partners of the podcast via Patreon. That'll be you, Phil Roberts and Brad Crosby and Portia of The Village in Cincinnati and Audi of Cincinnati East and Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East National Car Charging they're on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel also Richard at UK for buying and selling EVs in the UK Octopus Electric Universe global public charging made simple with one app one map and it's all you need and Milbrook Cottages head by the website check out their cottages five star luxury accommodation in Devon You can book yourself a break, have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.